Good afternoon, everybody. I hope you're not tired of me yet. I am here for my fourth hour of radio. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5, KPL 232-1542 is the number, or use the KPL app chat to visit with me on the air and off the air. You can just send a message in, and I will get to that when I can. Whether it's on the air, off the air, I will respond. I usually do. All right, before we go any further into the national news of the day, do need to let you know about a story that is just popping up. We will have something up uh, at KPL 965 shortly, but Lafayette Police investigating two shootings here in town this afternoon. Uh, the first on West Gilman Street in Lafayette, at least. Uh, so there's one victim that was suffering multiple gunshot wounds. They have been transported to a local hospital listed in stable but critical condition. There was a previous shooting incident that uh, police were made aware of at Big Boys Tobacco Plus on University. While they were investigating that, another victim was located with an apparent gunshot wound. That victim was transported to a local hospital in stable condition. Crime scenes have been set up on West Gilman in the 500 block there and in the 800 block of North University. So do be careful there. In fact, North University, let me check and make sure. Okay, so looking at our mentioned in the traffic report earlier in the 800 block, there was also a vehicle accident with injuries listed there. That was in the 2 o'clock hour. Uh, going to keep an eye on all that, see if that's related. But you need to know there are crime scenes being established on West Gilman and North University in response to two shootings. This news just coming out. We will keep an eye on it and have something available for you to kind of get the details at kpel965.com. Now, I need to get to a story. I thought about bringing it up this morning when I was filling in for Moon, but I didn't have all the information yet because I hadn't read uh, the ruling in this case. There is a case, Missouri versus Biden. It is a censorship case. The plaintiff in the case is arguing that the Biden administration being in contact with social media companies, big tech companies, and using government tools to push for the censorship of users online was a violation of the First Amendment. And a Louisiana judge, Judge Terry Doty, issued a preliminary injunction in this case, which one columnist at the Wall Street Journal says uh, stands to become one of the most important free speech cases in the nation's history. So the federal government used social media platforms to censor Americans. Officials kept most of their censorship regime secret through multiple election cycles. Here's what's interesting. Judge Doty, again, Louisiana judge, granted the case and allowed for discovery. This is important. This was a secret censorship campaign by the Biden administration using tools 
and connections with social media companies to censor out dissenting opinion. That is a major violation of the freedom of speech. I want to read different bits of Doty's, uh, of, of his ruling here. This case is about the free speech clause in the First Amendment to the United States Constitution. The explosion of social media platforms has resulted in unique free speech issues. This is especially true in light of the COVID-19 pandemic. If the allegations made by plaintiffs are true, the present case argue, arguably involves the most massive attack against free speech in United States history. In their attempts to suppress alleged disinformation, the federal government, and particularly the defendants named here, are alleged to have blatantly ignored the First Amendment's right to free speech. So who are the defendants in this case? President Joe Biden, Corinne Jean-Pierre, Xavier Becerra, the Department of Health and Human Services, the U.S. Department of Commerce, the Cybersecurity Infrastructure Security Agency, and more. Government officials, government agencies are the defendants here. And the Biden administration worked with social media companies in secret to censor dissenting opinion, particularly on the issue of COVID-19. I need to get to a major part of his conclusion. The plaintiffs are likely to succeed on the merits in establishing that the government has used its power to silence the opposition. Opposition to COVID-19 vaccines, opposition to COVID-19 masking and lockdowns, opposition to the lab leak theory of COVID-19, opposition to the validity of the 2020 elections, opposition to President Biden's policy, statements that the Hunter Biden laptop story was true, and opposition to policies of government officials in power, all were suppressed. It is quite telling that each example or category of suppressed speech was conservative in nature. This targeted suppression of conservative ideas is a perfect example of viewpoint discrimination of political speech. American citizens have the right to engage in free debate about the significant issues affecting the country. Although this case is relatively young, and at this stage the court is only examining it in terms of plaintiff's likelihood of success on the merits, the evidence produced thus far depicts an almost dystopian scenario. During the COVID-19 pandemic, a period perhaps best characterized by widespread doubt and uncertainty, the United States government seems to have assumed a role similar to an Orwellian ministry of truth. The plaintiffs have presented substantial evidence in support of their claims that they were the victims of a far-reaching and widespread censorship campaign. This court finds that they are likely to succeed on the merits of their First Amendment free speech claim against the defendants. Therefore, a preliminary injunction should issue immediately against the defendants as set out herein. This is a very big deal. And you need to know 
that the Biden administration, very likely based on this ruling, did engage actively in censorship. They censored oppositional speech. Now, one of the plaintiffs in this case is Jim Hoft. Jim Hoft is the publisher of Gateway Pundit. Gateway Pundit is a conservative website, but Hoft routinely engages in conspiracy theories that even a lot of folks on the right discount. But Hoft was targeted by social media companies, apparently at the behest of the Biden administration. Were they specifically going after Jim Hoft? Probably not. But Hoft was one of many conservatives on social media who were silenced because of their points of view, because of their ideas, because of their political speech. Twitter was notorious for this, and in the wake of all this becoming public, Elon Musk took over Twitter. Facebook, too, was a part of it. You can also find multiple instances of even Google search results suppressing conservative outlets. And conservative ideas, conservative complaints, even search engines were used. Now, here's why all of this is important. We just got a major free speech ruling from the Supreme Court in which the Supreme Court said the United States, that, the, that a state government, Colorado, could not compel the speech of another that it is a violation of your freedom of speech to be forced to say something. In the 303 creative case, the majority ruled that Colorado state law was compelling the speech of a website designer if it required her to create a website for a gay marriage, for a gay wedding. On the wake, or in the wake of that free speech ruling, we now have this case, which will continue working onward, and we will get a major free speech case out of this as well. The two are related, and I'll explain why after this break. 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation, we'll take this break. We'll be back in just a moment here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPEL. 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation. So the freedom of speech is one of the freedoms guaranteed to us in the First Amendment. That freedom is absolute. The 303 creative case is one that the left is still freaking out about because they are wrongly suggesting that it means 
sure, a business can discriminate against an LGBT person, which is not the case at all. The website designer in the case has LGBT clients. But based on that person's beliefs, they cannot write a website that essentially promotes a gay wedding, which is if you create a website for a gay wedding, you are essentially promoting it. This person did not want to do that and was being challenged to do so, was being told they had to do so based on Colorado law. So the case made its way to the Supreme Court. Now, that ruling also means that another lawsuit against the Masterpiece Cakes baker, the guy who, one of the original cases that kind of kicked all this off, he's being sued again, and it's going to go all the way to the Supreme Court, unless the lower courts look at the 303 creative ruling and say, well, we know how the Supreme Court's going to rule on this, and they say that the Masterpiece Cakes guy has done nothing wrong, and they let him go on his way. I, you can still see that case get to the Supreme Court where the Supreme Court asks, why is this before us again? We just handled this in the 303 creative case. So you have compelled speech, right? Which is what the state of Colorado was trying to do. Then you have censored speech. And what is censored speech if not an attempt to compel speech. We want you to say this, and if you don't, we're not going to let you say anything. It's all part of the same thing. The Biden administration used its force, its power to get social media companies to silence opposition. And the social media companies complied. That, that needs to be understood here as well. The social media companies complied. It would be one thing if any of these plaintiffs had sued Twitter or Facebook directly. These are private companies. You are much less likely to get any sort of standing, be awarded any sort of standing on a First Amendment issue against these private companies. However... By naming the defendants as members of the Biden administration, and because we now know that the Biden administration was using its force and power to get social media companies to silence opposition, that makes it a case withstanding. That makes it a case where the First Amendment really is in play. If this goes all the way up to the Supreme Court, the Biden administration loses. And loses badly. It is very obvious that the freedom of speech was abridged. And Judge Thomas Doty, by the way, is already being attacked by the left for this. All right, we're going to take a break. Your calls, your messages on the KPL app chat. When we return, 232-1542 is the number. Back in just a moment here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation. Looking at uh, traffic real quick, just letting you guys have an update. Seeing an accident, a vehicle accident on I-10 
eastbound in Lafayette. Let me see if that pulls up on the map. It is not pulling up on the map. I-10 eastbound. Uh, you know, when I get a more specific location, I'll let you know. Let me see. I'm sorry. I'm kind of doing this on the fly. I just want to make sure uh, you guys have all the information out there. Uh, nothing right now showing up on the DOTD social media, but I'll keep an eye out. Uh, again, showing a vehicle accident on I-10 eastbound on the traffic board. Uh, also a vehicle accident on North College Road in Lafayette as well. And still keeping an eye out on uh, one that's on the board, the 1000 block of Ambassador Caffrey in Lafayette as well. If you go to kpel965.com as well, you'll see the information that we currently have on the pair of shootings that uh, was reported uh, a little while ago by Lafayette police. Uh, Again, you have a shooting at uh, West Gilman Street in Lafayette. Uh, The victim was found at the scene with multiple gunshot wounds. Emergency aid was given to the victim, and they were transported to a local hospital where they are listed in stable but critical condition. Police then learned of a prior shooting at Big Boy's Tobacco on North University. They found a victim with a single gunshot wound there. That victim was transported to the local hospital. Police investigating both at this time. So just want to keep you uh, aware of that. So the stock market's kind of reeling a little bit today. Uh, We're looking at... uh, the, the probability, really, that there's going to be another rate hike. Now, they paused it in June. They paused their rate hikes in June. But the Wall Street Journal has a story out, uh, just came out a little while ago. Most Federal Reserve ex- officials expected they would need to leave, lift interest rates further this year after pausing increases last month, though some wanted to raise the rates in June because the economy hasn't slowed enough. So... The Federal Reserve is still kind of at odds right now. They want to raise the rates because the the inflation is still too hot. Uh, The job market is very hot and wages are still very hot. These are all things they want to try to slow down and try to get things back to normal, if at all possible. And some of them wanted to raise rates in June, but overwhelmingly most decided to pause so that... uh, they could kind of see how things were working, maybe get another month's worth of inflation data before continuing. Uh, just keeping an eye on that as well. 232-1542 is the number if you want to call in. We've got a caller on the line now. Good afternoon, caller. Who's on the line? Oh, never mind. They hung up. Okay, so getting back to the Fed then. Uh, the Fed last month uh, maintained its... Uh, maintained its interest rate at between 5 and 5.25%. That was the first pause after 10 consecutive increases since March of 2022. All 11 voting members of the policy-setting Federal Open Market Committee agreed to last month's decision. But they're meeting again soon, and they're expected to raise rates again soon. And the stock market's kind of nervous. The stock market does not like interest rates. The stock market is also starting to learn. Wall Street's starting to learn something I've been telling y'all in a while. The Fed doesn't care what the stock market wants. That's been one of the things that's kind of gone underreported here is that the 
uh, Wall Street has been routinely freaking out about the interest rate hikes. Uh, when the hikes really kind of were first getting heavily underway, we had bank failures. <laughs> we had the tech bank failures. And and one of the things that happened here, and this this is kind of a, a kind of in the weeds explanation, but you need to kind of understand how we get here. Big tech companies have been doing a lot of borrowing against themselves in order to get access to more capital quickly and start funding their innovations. They had very, uh, they had niche banks, which uh, were not doing great things with their money. They were, they were not following, uh, you know, guidelines, recommendations, uh, regulations. And as a result, the, the tech companies stopped borrowing and they started cashing out. They started liquidating to try to pay off the loans they had. Well, this caused a bit of a run on one of the banks, and it kind of spiraled out from there. We had that, that mini banking crisis. Never really got widespread. A lot of people were talking about it becoming a widespread thing, but it never got there. Because, again, these were niche banks. They, they weren't, it, we weren't going to see a widespread banking failure. We could, at worst, have seen uh, kind of mid-sized and, and, and regional bank failures, but it never really got beyond those tech aligned banks. But tech has been driving a lot of the investment, and a lot of the growth among the U.S. economy. So when that sector starts going belly up, people get worried. And so the, the Wall Street, mar- the, 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 the big firms on Wall Street, the market, they, they've all wanted the Fed to stop raising interest rates because it was causing this instability. Well, we get to where we are now, and we've got the Fed continuing to raise rates because the Fed, again, doesn't care what Wall Street wants. The Fed has two jobs, one, to monitor the job market, and two, to get inflation down. And their goal is to get inflation down to about 2%. That's right around the sweet spot that they want. And so the Fed is going to continue to raise rates, much to the chagrin of the um, of Wall Street, and this is making them very nervous. So, keeping an eye on that. That's why Wall Street's kind of freaking out today. It's been kind of an up and down period, though. There'll be some story that comes out tomorrow that causes Wall Street to say, "You know, things aren't so bad," and the numbers will go up again, or something like that. On Monday. Switching gears a little bit, on Monday I mentioned the story about cocaine at the White House, and I was pretty flippant about it. I was kind of flippant about it again this morning on Moon Show. Uh, cocaine found at the White House. Well, in between me bringing it up on Moon Show and now, the Secret Service has come out and said, well, you know, we can, we'll probably never know who really brought it in. It was in an area that people are coming in and out of all the time, which is like the fifth time the story has changed. Originally, it was just found in an area in the White House. And then it was said to have been found in the library. And then the Secret Service came out and said, no, 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 it wasn't found in the library. It was found in a working area or a work area of the West Wing or something like that. And, and the story has changed. And now, they're, now the Secret Service come out and said, it's unlikely we'll ever find who the culprit was. It would be 
it would be automatically very judgy of me if I actually said, well, this is clearly Hunter Biden's cocaine. I'm not saying it is, but I'm not saying it isn't because, yeah. But the story has changed. So first of all, the story actually happened like two days ago and we heard nothing about it. No major media outlet except for Fox News actually covered the story. And then late yesterday, first thing this morning, people started, the mainstream outlets started reporting on it. When it became clear that the story was very murky and there were a lot of questions that were probably not going to be answered. Now they sit in the New York, the New York Times, the Washington Post all say, well, Secret Service has confirmed that it was cocaine and all that sort of stuff. It confirmed all of that. The White House isn't some security black hole, though. There's eyes and ears everywhere. If they know exactly where they found the cocaine, they can go and see how many people actually traversed the area. And if it was like a ton of foot traffic and it just magically appeared on a table when somebody walked by, maybe they really truly would never know it. But come on. The Biden administration, the White House, has not inspired a whole lot of confidence that it's telling the truth. And they've done a lot of apologizing for and hiding away of and protecting of Hunter Biden, a known cocaine addict. Do I think Hunter Biden currently is stupid enough to leave cocaine in the White House? Not really. I got to think that behind the scenes, he's on a fairly tight leash. At the same time, how many people go in to the White House, even on a tour, and don't get checked? Something about the story's not adding up in my head. And I'm, I'm, I'm very curious as to where this story is ultimately going to end up, if we even hear about it anymore. Now that they've said, well, it's unlikely we'll ever find the culprit, maybe the story just goes away. We don't hear about it anymore. And that's just another question that gets added to the list of questions that we want answered. What happened to the killer clowns in 2016? What happened to the murder hornets? Who the hell brought cocaine into the White House? These are things we may never know. Oh, yeah. There's there's something there. Dave, thank you very much for the call. Appreciate it. All right, 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation. Let's take a break. We'll be back on the Joe Cunningham Show in just a moment. Your calls, your messages on the KPL app when we return here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 is the number if you want to be part of the conversation want to give a shout out to uh, Billy on the app, Billy uh, reaching out, uh, pointing out that Facebook's still suppressing info, and they're, they're going to keep doing it. That's why, Billy, that's why I only share stupid memes on Facebook. I don't try to share news for the most part on, on Facebook. I don't try to do any of that. I'm not dealing with that suppressing nonsense. Renee also reaches out, you know, like like Dave, like me, uh, pretty sure they know who the cocaine belongs to, they don't want to expose whoever that person is, which raises even more questions. Who might they be protecting in that one? You can, of course, reach out through the KPL app chat. If you've got the KPL app, if you don't, why don't you? But if you do, 
Use that app chat. Would love to hear from you. Again, shout out to Billy and Renee for reaching out through the app. Uh, before we go, before we go, want to mention, uh, we had a call coming into this break, uh, or coming into that last break, uh, wanted to mention something. This was actually something I had thought of as well. So, uh, Charlie, if you're listening, we seem to have lost your, your call, but, uh, it's very much like the January 6th thing with the bomb. We had what two bombs, one place outside the RNC, one place outside the DNC. That was a big scandal, and it was just used to point to the violence of January 6th and how terrible everything was and how terrible the, the servers who were out there supporting Trump and everything was. Everybody in Washington, D.C. is under a microscope. You're in Washington, D.C., you're under a microscope. There is more surveillance going on there than probably anywhere else, especially when you're near the Capitol compound. There's security cameras everywhere. There's monitoring everywhere. And yet, for some reason, this mysterious bomber faded into the wind and was never heard from again. How is that possible? In an investigation that high profile, in a case that high profile, at an event that was that high profile, that we know, again, that the FBI was violating the Supreme Court's program 702, which is supposed to monitor foreign actors. We know the FBI was monitoring January 6th rally participants. If they were, then somewhere along the way, they would have known who that was. That would have been, that would have been a big high-profile arrest, but it hasn't been made yet. And we're now more than two years away out from that. More than two years out from that. The Secret Service has come out and said it's unlikely we'll ever find out who the cocaine belongs to. There's not a moment that you would be at the White House that you aren't being monitored in some way, shape, or form. I'm not going to go as far as to say that they're protecting Hunter Biden, because I, I don't know. But it seems very quick to dismiss this as something we may just never know. It's very, very odd that quick into the investigation they would publicly announce that. All right. You guys have a great day. I hope you had a great July 4th. We're going to continue with the fun in just 23 hours. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Email Joe at redstate.com. Always love to hear from y'all. Be sure to check out the podcast version of the show, joecunninghamshow.substack.com. You can find the podcast there or Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast from. You can find the show there in case you missed any part of it today. Shannon is offsides, and he's in with Gary Cruz coming up next here on News Talk 96.5. KPEL, y'all have a great, great afternoon.